Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Charles Gora, the founder and CEO of luxury resale company Rebag. I wanted to dig into how Rebag is differentiating itself in the crowded resale market, whether that's attracting sellers, ensuring authenticity, or meeting customers where they are, including the mall. Stay with us. Welcome, Charles. Hey, Jill. I can't believe you haven't been on the podcast. I know, me too. <laughs> Happy to be here. Happy to have you. I know you well. I feel like this will be fun. Thank you. Thanks for inviting. Of course. Okay. I'm going to just jump into your business concept. Uh, resale, handbags, luxury handbags. Tell me. Yeah, Rebag, we're a five-year-old company. Uh, started online here in New York. Uh, we're, uh, we buy and sell luxury pre-owned bags. Basically, Louis Vuitton, Hermes, etc. And we buy them up front. So it's pretty easy to execute. And then we sell online as well as in our nine physical locations. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I remember... I've only been in New York for three years, three and a half. Uh, I remember when you launched, I remember there was, uh, you were all over the bus stops, out of home ads. Correct. That must have been maybe three years ago. We did a big uh, sort of metro, taxi, outdoor ads over New York. Correct. Yeah. Was that the main launch part, the launch strategy? That was a big deal. Yeah. Um, it was actually more of a couple years into the business, but it's probably the first time we hit some decent scale. Totally. Are you doing that again? Have you not really? Not really. Um, right now, we tried. To, we spend a lot of time on physical retail. We did a bunch of other more tailored approaches. How many stores do you have now? Now it's nine. Nine. Yeah. Okay. How many are in New York? So we have three in Manhattan and one in Garden City, New York. Got it. How many are to come? Uh, many more. We have uh, thirty. I think is our medium term goal. Uh, sort of for the, you know another five or six per year, yeah, for the next few years. Amazing. And will those be big cities? Are you going to where your customers are? What's the strategy there? Yeah, we're doing a few things. I mean, right now we're, we have four in New York, three in LA, two in Miami. So we, we started with the big hubs, if right. you will, not too surprisingly. Um, that being said, there's many important you know, states and cities where we're not. Some, some are very obvious, you know, in, around Texas, around Chicago. Pretty much the goal is to be, you know, in the next two, three years, we want to be in the main luxury ecosystems around the country. Yes, I feel like you're a unique beast where it's like, uh, I hear that uh, brands are using physical retail either for, you know, marketing or obviously a sales channel. Uh, but you're also, you need this channel because people are also coming to get maybe their bags authenticated or to trade them out. How would you describe the role of retail for you? Yeah, stores are, are definitely unique. Uh, for sure, they, they, they sell product, obviously, like every other retailer, uh, in particular high-end product, which people like to experience in, in physical settings. We have, for instance, the Hermes Birkin wall in oh, each store. You know, in each store? Yeah, 30, 40 Birkins, you know, the rainbow colors. Um, yeah, so that's a lot. Um, and also, as you said, the stores, uh, we, have, we, we buy product there. So we have this one-hour concept that we call the Rebag Bar, where you can drop off your bags and we price, you know, review, authenticate, pay, all of that in 60 minutes. Amazing. So that means having this expert authenticator at every store? Yeah, we have a bit of operational complexity to go about that. So a lot of magic needs to happen, but it's our it's our challenge. I mean, we've got time. What is happening? <laughs> yeah, that's our secret sauce, Gio. Oh. Can't tell you that, but you're correct that everything happens in an hour, and it does require uh, a combination of human involvement as well as technology. 
Got it. So you're buying the bags up front. Have you ever been burned? Have you ever bought a, a fake? Yeah, you never do rallies. You never know. Uh, you never know for sure. But for sure, the, our, our philosophy is that when someone comes back into question, we always look at it. And even if we're unsure, it's about looking at what mistake or not we did and just being uh, very cautious. Yes, that makes sense. Are th- there a certain number of designers that you accept? Yeah, or about 50. 50. Got it. And the just top. bags. Yeah. The, no plans the, to expand. Just bags, you know, bags as well as small leather goods. Uh, we're looking at a few things, but, you know, we'll see We'll see later on. But right now it's our core business. Got it. I hear it's really competitive for sellers, especially in the luxury market, luxury bags. I don't know that, you know, I like to look at my bags in my closet and <laughs> just have them, even if I'm not carrying them. So is it competitive only uh, for the sellers as there are competitors in the market, the real, real, and others, um, and also just like convincing uh, women that to sell their bags and not just hoard. Yeah, it's not really different than any other business. You know, there's different value propositions, there's different executions, and uh, we try to focus on our sales. I think the the, the key point there is that the market is huge. Yes. So for us, we like to say we don't really compete against this or that company. We compete uh, against idleness. You know, our, our main estimate is that 9 out of 10 luxury owners right now has never executed on resale. Oh, geez. And our, so our mission is really to convince. And an interesting statistic is that 60% of our sellers, they're first-time sellers. Got it. So we sort of got them into that behavior. Yes. So how are you acquiring these people? Where, where are you finding them? Yeah, we do a few things. Well, first of all, you see, we do podcasts. Hey. So anyone who listens maybe a Rebecca customer one day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of education. So on the sales side in particular, as you said, it's not really a behavior that people are looking for. So a lot of the most traditional tools like search, for instance, or, or those type of ads, they don't really work that well because there's not so much intent. So we have to start a layer above, which is really building the Reback brand. So everything we do around press, around working with influencers, around telling the resale story, um, all of that eventually creates awareness at the top of the funnel. And later on, uh, that possibly uh, creates a transaction. Yes. What's happening with influencers? You're gifting them a bag. They're posting, tagging. What are they doing? We do many things. Uh, there's, there's various contracts, uh, depending usually on the sort of scale uh, of the influencer. You know, influencer is always challenging because it's not always easy to track. So we're trying to be also mindful of that, but we're we're lucky that we've worked with now a, a constellation of uh, pretty meaningful influencers that are part of the Reback family, and they you know they showcase our brand. They uh, and we try to keep it as genuine as possible as well. So who makes a good Reback influencer? Is she? Well, we, we go ahead. Yeah, we had a lot. I mean, recently uh, we worked with Beth uh, Bethany Frankel. <gasps> Bethany Frankel. Um, oh, that's fine. So a lot of the the real um, real housewives we've worked with Bethany Dorinda. Um, we've worked with um, in LA as well. So that's kind of our, our typical you know customer as well. So uh, they usually resonate very well. And we also have more fashion driven influencers as well that sort of talk to also an, another part of the market. She's fancy. <laughs> she's great. She's a legend. Yeah. I, I kind of uh, noticed her. I didn't know her that well before. I, I chatted with her. She was at the store uh, a week or two ago, and she's uh, she's fascinating. Did she buy a Bergen? She did. Oh! <laughs> she did. How did I know this? <laughs> yeah, it was Sixth Sense. 
<laughs> so are you putting money on Instagram, Facebook? Uh, maybe not on search, you said. Uh, where else are you putting the marketing budget? Yeah, the reality, you know, now, of course, we use some of the traditional digital channels that we mentioned. So we are on the demand side, I would say we use some of the most traditional digital tools. uh, That's for sure. But most importantly, now we leverage the stores frankly so that's a big part of our um, uh, of our customer uh, sort of uh, discovery now yes are you selling on instagram we are not yes. uh, we are not but we are looking into it there's this new feature that they launched uh, which right now there's a few advertisers that are on supposed to be released later this year for broader use so for sure we'd want to look at this what is it is it exclusive to resale companies no, I think it's uh, right now. It's, it's in beta. Uh, exactly. So right check now, um, you can actually check out through the beta version yep. inside uh, of Instagram. Yes. So I know of a few brands that are there. It's pretty new. Yeah. Uh, so they're just kind of figuring it out. But I expect this to be to be there, you know, within a year, and it's could be game changing for uh, e-commerce in general. Totally. So right now, between online and in your stores, uh, what's the breakdown of sales? Yeah, it's about maybe 20-30% is in the store. So we're still, you know, largely uh, a digital company. Yep. And why are people selling their bags to you versus others? Yeah, there's a few reasons. I mean, the, the main one is that we purchase the product upfront. Yes. So I think that really sets us apart. It's uh, really most or the vast majority of companies out there. They're either peer-to-peer websites where you have to do a lot of work or they're consignment-based. Yes. You know, we, we triangulate for time. So again, in our stores, it's in one hour. Even if you do it online, we have now our automated software, which is we'll talk about, which is instant. So our value is if you want to get things now and seamlessly, uh, that's kind of what we offer. Yes. I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but tell me about Claire. This was a recent launch. When did, when did Claire launch? We launched in October, so about October. four or five months ago now. Okay. And was that a game changer? Yeah, it's, it's quite quite immense, actually. So just to set the scene, uh, what Claire does, it's an acronym. It's Comprehensive Luxury Appraisal Index for Resale. Uh, basically, what it does, it's the equivalent of Kelly Blue Book uh, for cars. So uh, now you don't have to submit pictures of a bag or anything. It's basically a database. Yeah. You know, it's a live database that you can query at your leisure. You say, I have a Louis Vuitton. I have a, this bag, that model, like literally three, five clicks. And we tell you right there, this is how much we pay. That's awesome. And am I right that um, you want this to kind of be an industry uh, tool, you industry-wide tool? You don't care if other uh, resale companies use it. Who gets access to this? Everyone. So it's it's free. Yes. It's is free. it online? I can look at it now and look at yeah. I've got a Chanel bag. What is it worth? Absolutely. So it's it's on rebag.com in the sales section. Uh, it's also on our app. And you're correct. It's available for free to anyone. And that's actually exactly the purpose. It's because this industry has been largely opaque yep. for a while, where everyone has been hanging on to their data, their knowledge, and that creates sort of disparity of knowledge. And we try to reverse that. And we've consolidated that data over the last few years. And now we're making it open. And we think that has a value and it's getting interest just for the sake of of learning yes and it's on your site so maybe people will shop while they're there (laughs) that's kind of the point is that if you come for this data point uh, maybe you'll sell maybe you won't but somehow you'll be engaging with rebag totally that makes sense were people taking advantage of the pricing maybe a a bag is rare uh nobody will know if we jack up the price or i don't know why is this tool needed uh 
there's been no consistency or pretty much people are just comparing what other people, uh, what other companies yeah, are selling. Yeah, it's very difficult for. to have benchmarks. So yeah. uh, the only thing people or consumers usually know how much they paid retail. Yes. And then it's very hard to track down, first of all, what is it that you own from a technical perspective and how much it's worth in the resale market. And so instead of going after anecdotes, we consolidated that in a centralized way. Got it. Other than press, how are people finding about, out about Claire? So, Claire, I mean, we've done obviously some advertising and influencer work about it, uh, but it's something that largely people find when they engage with us. Also in the stores is something that, that we leverage as well. Great. What are you finding about, out about traffic? Do you know that other companies are using it? We don't know for a fact. Obviously, we're, we're tracking usage. We know, but we know there are certainly super users of Claire. Yes. Right? So there's people who do a massive amount of, of queries, and that's totally great. Totally. Let's talk fundraising, because I know that at some of your stores, maybe uh, Claire launched uh, in, in sync with, with some fundraising. What, what was your last round? What's been your approach so far? Yeah, we closed the last round January uh, of 2019, those 25 million round um, from a firm called Novator, as well as General Catalyst, who's, who's been with us uh, for a while now. Uh, certainly, that puts us in a very well-capitalized position. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to be pretty efficient. You know, right now, there's a lot of debate uh, in the markets about growth versus, you know, profitability. Um, and it's somehow re-rating towards more of the profitability. Yes. So we're, we're definitely trying to be mindful of, of capital. Cool. So you're, are you all set for a while? We are. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Probably we'll need something small at some point. But uh, yeah, we, we're trying to run the company so that we don't need uh, infinite amounts of capital. Yes. How large is the company in terms of uh, people, staff? We're about uh, 100 people now um, and another maybe 40, 50 people in our uh, retail stores. Got it. And how many of those folks are data experts, data folks? Yeah, it depends. I mean, our whole tech team is about 20 people. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much where all the Claire magic happens. Totally. Have you thought about uh, teaming with a, have you done anything official in terms of a partnership with a brand or maybe with a, with a retailer? We're hearing that more and more. Yeah, there's a lot of action in the space. At this stage, we do not have uh, anything official. Uh, certainly, we are, we're in talks and everyone's talking to everyone. Uh, there's been a lot of news recently, which I find is very exciting. Uh, these are things that we've been talking about for a while. And the more, the more you see stores and brands uh, partnering with resale, the more it's going to become uh, legitimate. Yes, absolutely. There's no, no uh, desire to hit the sneaker market. <laughs> it's so sexy right now. Yeah, it's very hot. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of sneaker companies, so there's not too much we, we can add there. Totally. Got it. Talk to me about this store right here. We Next door, we've got uh, World Trade, what do we call it? Oculus? Exactly. Westfield, yes. World Trade Center, Oculus. Yeah. Talk about like that location in particular. I mean, easy access for me, but um, why does that make sense? Talk to me about this, the mall location. Are mm. most of your stores in malls? They're not. Actually, now it's pretty even, but it's a good point you're raising. Initially, we started most of our stores in street retail, yep. so typically prime ecosystems. You know, Madison Avenue, Soho, Beverly Hills, Melrose Place, Design District. So you're talking 
prime, prime, prime real estate. Uh, over the last year or so, we got opportunities uh, on the mall side. Um, that's something that we experimented with and we also saw good success there. So now we're, as you say, in a couple of Westfield malls, we're in a few Simon malls, etc. So it's different customers. I think it's different from a brand perspective. Obviously, the, the street retail uh, is certainly prime, uh, but we've had good opportunities. So from our perspective, you know, we're, we're quite agnostic. Totally. Customer loyalty. When they come, they sell their bag. Are they buying from you? What do you know about kind of, yeah, repeat customers and keeping them uh, in-house versus going elsewhere? Yeah, so we've been around for five years now, so we have some some good data on repeat patterns. So certainly we, we've been lucky that people uh, come back. Obviously, we only cover one category, so you're not in the market every day uh, for, for luxury bags. At least most people are not. So we're talking, obviously, most tailored use cases. Uh, but it's something that over time also also adds up. Yes. The but most thing on loyalty is that we have our program called Infinity. Um, yes. Maybe we Tell me talk about, about that. I knew that. Yeah, so Rebag Infinity is a program we launched maybe a year and a half ago, uh, where basically every bag we sell uh, at Rebag online or offline, we guarantee that we can buy it back within six months for at least 70% of what you paid inside credit. Obviously, lots of footnotes, assuming it's in the same condition, etc. Uh, and that's exactly built to, to, to build loyalty, as you say, to beat those semi-annual repeat patterns. Got it. Your customer, she, do you know how much she makes? What do you know about her? Yeah, we have a couple of customers, really. Yeah. So we have, uh, I think, our seller. Yeah. Uh, it's typically, uh, you know, 35 to 50-year-old, um, you know, somehow um, uh, socialite, you know, someone who's always in newness, uh, someone who wants to, uh, you know, attends fashion shows and is very busy. Yes. And so that's typically the person who sells and she monetizes with us in order to finance, you know, new collections. On the demand side, we have another customer uh, who's typically younger, you know, low 20s to, to her upper 30s, you know, young professional, um, certainly someone who has some discretionary income, but maybe not as much yet to buy three, four, five thousand dollar bag, and so they very aspirational and get access to their first designer bags through through Rebag. Nice. Do you have like the hustler, like somebody who's doing this for a living, buying, selling bags, and they're making a business out of it? Yeah, we certainly know of a few people who do that. Uh, I think it's it's a bit harder than in the sneaker industry, just because the luxury goods uh, typically depreciate. Versus in the sneaker industry, you're dealing mostly with new goods yes. that people don't really wear and that people are just flipping for a, a profit. Yes. Have you seen anything like that lately uh, in terms of like, again, with sneakers, yeah, they're buying it. It's the drop model. They're getting it. They're selling it immediately. Has there been a hot bag like that in a while? There's been a few things. I mean, there's trends go up and down. So as you know, that's kind of what Claire moderators as well. So there's certainly a few storage, maybe a year or two ago, you know, there was the vintage revival, if you remember. And then for maybe three years ago, typically things like Fendi Baguette, uh, you know, we were, were basically ignoring and we couldn't move them. And then suddenly this train came up and it became hot again. So, okay. yeah, there's some good stats. If you had invested in it, you could have made almost 100% uh, of your money in like in like a year. Jeez. What's been going on with Chanel? Because uh, somebody was telling me, you know, you need to 
go through a resale channel because maybe if you're in a city, I always say Midwest, but not Midwest, but um, you're a city where they don't have a store and they don't sell online. Uh, resale is kind of your only option. Is Are you selling Chanel and is that a hot hot brand for you? Yeah, for sure. In resale industry in general, you know, the three biggest brands are Chanel, Hermès and Louis Vuitton. Um, and I think, yeah, it's true that um, some of these brands, they have limited online presence. Right. So depending on when you're located. So first of all, a lot of the products you typically don't even have access to online firsthand. So by definition, you're diverting to secondhand as your, your first choice. So are you selling them sometimes for more than that, the retail price? Yeah, it, it's, it, it could happen occasionally, especially for limited editions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because they don't have that online presence, do they get pissed at you? Because when you're selling the brand, do you have a good relationship with these brands or has there been conflict? No, we're pretty fine. I mean, we were not involved, uh, so we don't really uh, engage with them that much. Um, we're just trying to run our business. And of course, we're very preserving of the brands. You know, we we buy these bags up front. So we're very aligned with the level of risk that that entails. Totally. Talk to me about this kind of macro environment. Uh, what's happening in, in retail as a whole? I, I feel like uh, there's a move to... Away, away from, you know, fast fashion, throwaway fashion. I feel like the sustainability uh, conversation works in your favor. Uh, what have you been seeing in, ter- in terms of trend, whether um, it's working in your favor or not? Yeah, for sure. There's been, there's been a huge change on that over the last 12 to 18 months. When we started the business five years ago, I think the main thing was more around value. You know, it was about how can I access, you know, great brands uh, essentially for a fraction of the price? And then nice to have, it's sustainable. Yeah. I think somehow this is uh, reverting now or uh, sustainability is increasingly becoming an argument. Uh, there's been a lot of talks in the fashion space that everyone's realizing the model of basically buying and trashing uh, can go on. Uh, there's been a lot of cases in the fashion industry of companies you know, burning inventory, destroying inventory, filling landfills. And I think there's a sort of collective understanding now that things have to change, and and certainly one of the consequences is to power retail, resell. Perfect for you. Between the other brands, uh, retail resellers, um, do you think that is it competitive? If if more kind of come onto the scene, like you said, there's, I mean, a lot of luxury shoppers who aren't selling yet. I mean, maybe they never will though. So anyway, um, is is that a threat that you know? Because it's coming up, becoming a hot category, more competitors are entering the market. Yeah, every, that's uh, that's in every market. You know, every market that's attractive uh, uh, attracts competition. You know, uh, smartphones. You have Apple. Uh, you have uh, you have Samsung, and you have many more. Uh, and they're all multi tens of billion dollars of companies. So it's not so much about competition. It's about what's kind of the size of the opportunity, yep. which we think is uh, anything you see now is microscopical compared to what's going to come. Yes, that makes sense. Are you are your fr- uh, stores a place for, what do you consider, like a meeting place? You said you have maybe some events. Uh, do you, is it necessary to, pr- to provide a next level experience other than uh, bags, beautiful bags? You mean, sorry, you mean in the stores? In the stores. Yeah, of course, customers are very demanding. So uh, when, uh, first of all, retail locations are very expensive. So you're trying to make the most out of them. So you're correct that that's why we buy, that's why we sell, that's why we run events. We're definitely trying to maximize the, the footprint and customer exposure. 
Yes. Holiday. Is, is your hot ho- um, season holiday? Are people buying resale at holiday? Yeah, it's very, it's, it's quite seasonal, actually. Like all things, all things resale. Mm-hmm. It is. Do people trust? I would not trust somebody to <laughs> buy my Chanel for me. <laughs> no, they're not necessarily uh, gifts for people, but they okay. could, there could be self-gifts. Oh, they want to look cute for the holiday? Yeah, everyone's treating themselves. Okay. It's more, it follows the, more like your retail wallet allocation. Yes. That makes sense. Are, do you ever do sales uh, promotions? We do a little bit trying to contain it. Uh, we do occasionally, uh, maybe like once a month or uh, Black Friday. We do usually something once a year, uh, but we're pretty, pretty contained on that front. Okay, that makes sense. Gen Z, is that kind of a target audience for you now? Younger, uh, obviously they're, they don't have the budget that the Real Housewives have, <laughs> Bethany Frankel, but um, Gen Z. Yeah, but they are in the sense because, uh, first of all, uh, we cover a large range of product. You know, our entry-level category, I mean, uh, it starts at maybe two, three, four hundred dollars $400, which is a big amount. But, you know, if you think about, for instance, financing, which we offer, you put $400 either on a credit card or our financing tool. Now you're talking $40 a month for nice. six months, nine months, and you can get access to your first luxury product that way. Is that why you launched the, that financing? Yeah, basically, it's very it's very important. Uh, given the the high price point of the purchase, yep. uh, it certainly helps. Yes, are you promoting that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we it's it's all over the site. Uh, we partner with a, a firm called Affirm, yes. uh, which is pretty much all over the place now in in e commerce. Oh, interesting. Huh, I'll be damned. Are you on TikTok? <laughs> what else not. are you doing to reach Gen Z? Yeah, it's a good point. Huh? We are not on TikTok, but maybe <laughs> you we should look at it. You want to be on there it. and do a dance? Maybe we should <laughs> together. <laughs> you should. Let's talk about growth strategy beyond uh, retail, more retail. I mean, if it's working, it's working. But any other strategies that you're kind of uh, considering, trialing, testing? Yeah, there's a few things. I mean, for sure, the the question for us is more how do you build a behavior that people are not looking for? So a few things we're doing now, building awareness, is also cross-partnerships. So we, uh, we're having actually right now um, an event or a series of events with a firm called Aret. Uh, that probably you know, A-A-A-U-R-A-T-E. Jewelry. Exactly. I do uh, know. Great jewelry, direct-to-consumer brand. Uh, they also have a store here in Soho, and so we're having them in our stores uh, actually right now in Soho. Then they're moving to Miami, they're moving to L.A., and we're doing sort of a 360 partnership with them. So these are the type of sort of brand associations, if you will, that are win-win yes. uh, that we're experimenting with. That makes sense. They're an accessory. They're similar price point. Uh, is this the first time you've done some, something like yeah, that? Yeah, it is the first time. So it's uh, I know them very well. They're 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 super. So um, sort of came up organically, but we're very excited. Awesome. I like it. Tell me what else you're. Uh, what's your biggest challenge? What's what's on your mind right now? Yeah, right now, I mean, uh, we focus for sure on the you know macro environment. You know, it's something that we uh, that we monitor. Uh, obviously, we all know, we all read the news. Yes. Um, we think so far here uh, in the U.S., uh, we haven't really seen any consequences. Uh, besides, you know, financial markets. Yes. From a consumer perspective, it's been quite steady for us. But of course, that's something we we follow. 
Yeah, we just had a meeting about, uh, you know, our coverage of coronavirus. And we were talking about the move from online shopping to uh, from in-store shopping to online. I mean, it's early in the game in the States, but are you seeing anything like that, a ramp up in online sales? No, so far, honestly, uh, yeah. you know, we're, the stores where we're at, New York, Miami, L.A., they're, they're pretty shielded at this point. Yep. Uh, but, of course, we have the, the online channels. So uh, should anything happen there, I think uh, the fact that we're online should help us alleviate any, any concerns there. Yes. What's happening with content and who's creating your social posts and what's happening online? Uh, again, when you launched with these beautiful posters, I, I w- you would think that you have a huge uh, content team. Yeah, a lot more, actually. Uh, this is probably something that uh, it's kind of our top priority uh, for 2020. So you'll probably see more of that uh, next uh, during the course of the year. Uh, we're trying to make Rebag a resource, right? So it's a couple thing. It's it's a combination of learnings and entertainment. Yeah. You know. So we're trying to. We've collected so much knowledge. Uh, about bags, about this market that we have internally. So everything you see around the magazine, etc., it's about sharing that. Yes. And so if we have a lot of press, we have a lot of videos, and you'll see more and more of that. And we're trying to do this in a way that is also you know fun and interesting. So it's a combination of these. Got it. So how many people are working on this? Yeah, we have a few. Maybe right now it's five or six people, I think, who are quite focused on, on that theme. Yes. And those videos and such, are you on YouTube? Where are they rolling out? Yeah, right now our, our YouTube is pretty small, uh, but it's it's nascent. So we have uh, maybe 10 dozen of videos uh, on there. We're also on IGTV. Yep. So fairly, fairly new for us, but it's definitely something we're excited about. Yeah, you've got a complicated uh, business here. So to be able to say we've got this Claire Kelly Blue Book and we've uh, got this authentication that's next level. And so much storytelling, I guess, needs to go into uh, selling your company as the one to choose, I guess. How do you go about that without it being too content heavy? Is there a, a fine line or what's the balance? Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, building expertise and trust. Yeah. You know, so it's about, you know, the more the more we put out there in terms of this is what we do, this is how we do it, this is how this is made, this is our process. And then you put that content out there and sort of that's what creates the, the trust. These are very high quality, high end products. So consumers think very carefully when they get give access to their closet to someone. Totally. To offer that luxury experience is everything down to the detail, the packaging? Are you putting a lot of investment into that? Uh, what else goes into that experience? Yeah, it's it's a lot. I mean, it's it's a combination of digital and, and offline. So I think when you're in stores, it starts with building the luxury experience there. You know, what, what are we telling you when you get in? How are we guiding you through the product? How are we showcasing the product? Do we wear gloves? Do we not wear gloves? What words do we use? Do we not say secondhand? Do we not say pre-owned? You know, these are very specific things. They seem like detail, but they add up to construct what we call handbag heaven. Oh, (laughs) I want to go there. (laughs) It's just there. West Broadway. (laughs) Do you wear gloves? (laughs) I wear gloves uh, when I touch uh, the Birkins and, and Crocs in particular. Oh, my gosh. 30 bag wall. What? Stop. So what's the most expensive bag in this World Trade location? <laughs> I'm not sure specifically Value. at World Trade, but currently we have a, a Picnic Kelly, I believe, that's over $60,000. So if you want to buy it, 
please do. Do people come in with security and like walk out with their bag? <laughs> Not too much, but we do have security though. It's actually a pretty big concern. Uh, oh, yeah, in, in every store, you know, we have a quite a best in class security guards systems. It's it's yeah, pretty heavy. That's interesting. I wouldn't doubt it. Makes sense. What else? If you had to hire your next hire, who who would you bring on board to kind of help take it to the next level? That's a great question. I mean, uh, I would start with technology. You know, we yeah. have a wonderful CTO, uh, Jay, but we're always looking to build in and bringing the the new and, and latest uh, sort of frameworks and tools. And that's how we stay ahead of the game, really. Yes. What technology would be it? Like something that would make for a more personal experience, a more seamless experience? What are you looking for? Yeah, everything we work around is a couple of themes. One is uh, immediacy. Right, so anything that helps us shortcut the time you need to get a quote, that's something that we love. Yep. Um, anything that enhances the experience, that's also something that that we, we love as well. Handbag Heaven. I think we're gonna call it a day and go to Handbag Heaven. No, just kidding. Thank you, Charles. This yeah, was fun. thank you. Bye. <laughs> that's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast to give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.